TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. A deep drive to left field. And gone his second home run of the night. Cutting the Tiger lead in half. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is the Score North first place twins show live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes. Magic number is 29. Miguel Sano with three more home runs this weekend. Rami Makhlouf, Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass live from the Bombasota State Fair. Yes. And uh, you can come on out and see us score north live until 6 o'clock out here, including Purple Daily coming up at 2 o'clock. And uh, there will be a journeyman qb gathering that's all i will say yes. for now happening at two o'clock out here well at see. the state fair i can guess one of them can you i have a feeling can that you? one of them uh we've seen before we're familiar with a uh, good friend a wise man but it's coming up at two o'clock and then of course mackie and judd with rami coming up at four on the twins show today the score north first place twins show that is glenn perkins former Twins closer and now TV superstar. He's going to be joining us on the phones coming up at 12.20. I actually like that we get tie-dye cargo shorts and Birkenstock Glenn Perkins versus suit Glenn Perkins. That's right. I I, mean, I'll take casual Glenn. He cleans up just fine. Cleans up real good. You know you're getting the truth when you're sitting next to the guy that just, like, fresh off the cabin (laughs) at the the modest brewing event in his tie-dye and Berkey's. It's great. So you heard there, like I said, one of three home runs by Miguel Sano over the weekend. And Derek, I, I don't want to paint it like everything is rosy and great and nothing has gone wrong and There are no holes in this baseball team, but there was a little bit of, I don't want to say panic, but unrest among Twins fans three, four days ago that you lost two of three to the White Sox, that you lost the first game of the Tigers series. But here we are after after that weekend series with the Tigers. They take the game Saturday and Sunday. And with a couple of Indians losses, the lead is up to three and a half, and the Twins have now won seven of their last ten. If you wanted to paint it like it was rosy and nothing's ever gone wrong, I wouldn't stop you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't because this team's on pace to win 98 games right now. I just keep saying 95-plus because you don't know. Like sure. Weird things happen in September, September, but the pace that the Twins are on right now, and we don't have to say small sample size anymore, the pace that they're on through the month of August puts them at 98 wins this season, and that's pretty darn impressive. It's pretty good. You talk a lot about Rami, and I think it's a very insightful piece of commentary, so I'll compliment you on this. Boy, thank you. We get in this bubble here. In Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes, we look at all the things that the Twins can't do, and I get it. There are shortcomings. The starting rotation has been bad lately. The bullpen has had its notable implosions. Even the front office, if you want to criticize them for not going to get a name-brand starter at the trade deadline, plenty of things we can point to and say, ah, I don't know. Are they the Dodgers? Are they the Astros? And that's all fair and good. Sure. But we should always put it in the context of this team is going to be knocking on the door of 100 wins this season, and that's pretty darn good. Yeah. It has to be in context. Yeah. Because people want to just take parts of the schedule and say, well, this is who they are. Well, no, I think that the best way to measure who they are is 162 games, and we'll see where they are after 162 games. But like you said, it's looking like somewhere between 95 and 100 wins for this baseball team. And then, of course, we can still you know, pick nits. We always do. It's fun. And you and, should. That's, and, part of, that's, right. that's part of a good baseball season That's right. where you care enough to pick nits. It's part of the enjoyment of it. I, I wonder how many uh, talk shows were led by the, what was it, 116-win Mariners in 2001 with, like, what, I don't know, what Ichiro wasn't doing or, right. you know, didn't have power or something like that. Or uh, is, is John Olerud hitting enough home runs for your taste? And it's like, well, we can we can pick things apart. We can, and we will, by the way. I should say there are going to be things we talk about on this show that are critical of the Twins, right. are maybe overly so, but we're going to, we're going to give the full argument here. I just needed to start the show by getting that off my chest. So thank you for the opportunity to say this is potentially a 100-win ball club. It's at least a 95-plus win ball club, it's looking like. Let's keep that in mind as we tear apart 
you know, Jose Brios or the bullpen or whatever we're going to tear apart today. And you want to, I mean, you go into every game against the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers feeling like that's a game you should win. But like we said, when this 26 game, well, the 26 games that they have left against those bottom feeders started, they're not going to win every one of those 26 games. That's just not realistic. Just just take solace in the fact that they've won 7 out of 10. I don't care who they're against. I don't care I don't care how you won those games. You've won 7 out of your last 10 games. Keep doing that for the last 30 or whatever they they have left here in the season and you're going to end up in a pretty good place. You're going to set yourself up pretty good for October. Yeah, I think that's right and I I think it's it's still disappointing when you lose those ones, right? Like, sure. like I can hear everything you're saying. I can nod along. I can agree with you because you are a great ba- baseball mind, Rami. And I can still say, like, ah, Friday sucks. Like, you, you know, like, <laughs> sure, as I get a, it. As a Twins fan, no, you don't want to lose uh, when Jose Barrios is on the mound against a bad Tigers baseball team. You don't want to lose two or three to the White Sox. Um, I'm fascinated to see what happens this week. You got the White Sox coming up. You got the Tigers coming up. Uh, there are some things you can do with the pitching rotation that we can talk about today that I think sets you up for better success now and in the future. Um, and September call-ups are right around the corner. And lest we forget, did you see who started his rehab assignment in Cedar Rapids this weekend, boys? Why don't you tell us, Derek? What uh, that would be Byron Buxton. I, I feel like that's a, uh, not a very well-kept secret. <laughs> thought everybody might know who I was talking about. The, the Speedy Center fielder did go down to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. They have a game tonight. Um, and I'm just I'm curious to see how long is this rehab assignment. But in any case, Byron Buxton is working his way back to the big leagues, and that can be nothing but good news for the Twins if 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 he's back, you know, tomorrow or Friday or a week from now. At least he's working his way up, playing in minor league rehab games, and he'll be back in center field before you know it. Now, like we said, not everything is rosy and, and sunshine and rainbows for the Minnesota Twins because if they're going to do anything in October, they're going to have they're going to need a they're going to need good Jose Barrios and not not what we've seen in August and what we saw on Friday in the opener of this series, 5 and a third innings pitch, 5 runs on 10 hits, he walked two and struck out five, and now in August, Derek, and we've talked about his struggles in August Throughout his career, he just seems to wear down. He's got a, uh, let me see here, I want to make sure I get this right. His Carry ERA in August, 8-4-4 in the month of August. An 8-4-4 ERA so far this month. That's uh, not good, boy. That's not good. <laughs> You're going to need to get him corrected. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually told there's no math on this show. Yeah. <laughs> right. I saw you good. computing it on the fly, Rami. You're like, wow, he's got a whip of almost two. Runs. He's got a one nine six nine whip. Yeah, that's not good. Um, it's it's two part with Jose. Like in the past, we talked about him fading athletically. I mean, a super fit guy. Not going to take anything away from his training, his off season, anything like that. I think he tries to put himself in the best spot to be healthy and ready to rock on day one of spring training. Like, he is just chiseled from granite. But he's, what, he's six foot one, and he's a, he's a little guy by comparison, and the knock against him, fair or unfair, I, I should add, has always been a little bit of a late-season fader. It's August, if it's September, everybody's tired. In his, in his first few years in the big leagues, the story goes, Barrios has not been able to overcome that, and he's succumbed to it, the late-season fade. This year, I do wonder if it's a little bit different. I say it's two-part with Barrios because one is that late-season, hey, innings load is up there. He's tracking towards 200 for the first time in his career. The second track of that is the Twins are working on his mechanics right now in the middle of a season. Um, And I was talking with somebody about this who compared it with, you remember – a couple months ago when Miguel Sano was working on his swing mechanics in the big leagues against 96-mile-an-hour yes. fastball, and then, you know, like between innings, he's going and working in the cage. Right. And that's only a little dramatic because in pregame BP, he's sitting there, and he's literally changing things about his swing and his approach, and the Twins are trying to do this on the fly. We talked about what a challenge this is, what a soldier that he's going through it like this taking his lumps in the big leagues so that he can work with guys like Rudy Hernandez, the assistant pitching coach and pitching coach, um, sorry, hitting coach, and uh, James Rousen. So that was commendable, and Sano's on track, and he looks again like a star hitter, and that's great. He righted the ship. 
I think that the Twins are doing the same thing with Jose Barrios right now on really? the mound. Yeah, like midstream trying to change up what you do and how you get hitters out with your mechanics and all of that stuff. Right. I don't know that he's changing pitch mix. I'm not saying that. It looks actually like he's got the same array of stuff he had earlier in the year, Rami and Manny. But to give a guy a, a tiny bit of benefit of the doubt that, Hey, they're trying to work on stuff, and I saw them working on mechanics before the game the other day. That's a really, really difficult thing to do, and then still go get big league hitters out, even if it is the Detroit Tigers. Do you know what it is specifically that they're working on with him? I wish I had a better way of describing it, but he explained it to me. Jose explained it as his front shoulder. So that's his left shoulder. You picture, picture him standing on the mound, and if you're watching on the stream, you can see me doing it. Mm-hmm. But I realize most Twitter, of our listening... Twitch, and Facebook. There you, you can go. watch us live out here at the, fa- at the uh, fair. Most of the listening audience is probably just on their radios or their smartphones or listening to this on a podcast later. But what Jose explained to me is when he comes set and then he gets ready to deliver a pitch to the home plate. So if I'm looking at you, Rami, and my, my shoulders are square to you, the catcher, mm-hmm. that too early in his delivery is his shoulder moving open. The front shoulder, that left shoulder that's supposed to stay, you know, quote-unquote closed, stay parallel um, to the catcher or perpendicular to the catcher where you're sitting, it's now it's flying over and it's going to first base too soon. You know what I mean? So his chest comes through and then his back arm is behind. That's what Roy Smalley talked about on the broadcast. I got to tell you, that's how he explained it to us um, through through his – translator uh, Elvis Martinez uh, and I think he was being truthful that that is something that they're working on I would be shocked if that was the extent of the mechanical tweaks that they're working on just based on the work that I've seen him do on flat ground between his starts at target field he told us it's that front shoulder and if that gets out of whack everything's out of whack I gotta say just from observation I think it's probably more extensive than that Patrick Royce tweeted out uh, on Saturday said had lunch with an astute baseball watcher today his assessment of Barrios everything goes sideways right to left starts on the same plane he's short doesn't get on top with his delivery and nothing's up and down the old change the hitters eye level theory he doesn't I think there's some truth to that. I think you see it with the uh, the breaking ball, that when he's striking guys out and he's going good and, and guys are chasing that pitch that's in the other batter's box, they have no hope of hitting and yet they still swing at it. Well, why is that? It's because it's not only moving side to side, but it darts down. And we're not seeing that. The Grand Slam being the perfect example of that. You guys, you see that plate appearance by, uh, I guess, uh, What's his name? Twins killer Ronnie Rodriguez. I think he officially had his name changed over the weekend. Uh, legally now, it Be says. Honest. Of the three of us sitting here, who had heard of Ronnie Rodriguez before this weekend? <laughs> okay, I'd Be heard honest. of him. You have? I had okay. heard the, the name before. Ronnie, and I had heard the name Rodriguez before, <laughs> which is not in reference to the same person. i got to say, I had not heard the name twin killer Ronnie Rodriguez before this weekend. But even look at that plate appearance. He gets some terrible swings on the breaking ball, which has always been Yeah, it made him look bad. Bad. Yeah. Got, got him to a two-strike count, and I don't know what... It was that possessed he and Jason Castro to throw this pitch, but then he throws a cookie breaking ball in the middle that didn't dart. It didn't yeah, do the dive thing. Do what he wanted it to do, or well, go where he wanted it to go. I mean, Rami, the the first two swings that Rodriguez put on curveballs in that at bat made it look like he couldn't hit your curveball. Right. Let alone Jose Barrios, who, by I the mean, way, pitched in his second All Star game this year. I got a pretty. Nasty I know. Curveball. I know you've got a great hook, and it's nasty, and I'm proud of you. I call her old old Uncle Charlie. <laughs> Big Uncle Chuck coming in. Um, it's just it, you, you don't want to leave that pitch there, obviously. But when Jose Barrios is going good, I think this astute baseball observer that Patrick Royce was dining with, I believe that is part of the problem right now. It's not the only problem from my my perspective, but one of the things is he's not got that same north-south breaking ball that misses so many bats instead finds its way into a barrel for a grand slam i don't love the idea of them working on major adjustments during the season i think it's one thing to do it with a hitter or or especially miguel sano because when you started doing that and you were healthy it was like hey if we can unlock miguel sano great but if we don't so what we have a bunch of other guys who can (laughs) hit you know what i mean yeah with jose barrios 
If you mess him up, if you get in his head and mess him up, there isn't another Barrios on this staff. It's not that it's not that win-win of, hey, if we unlock this guy, great, and if not, we have other guys who can do the job. If you get in his head and and start screwing with things and, and he doesn't take to these adjustments the way Miguel Sano did with the bat, you're you're creating some major trouble for yourself. That's interesting. Manny, weigh in on this for me, if you would. Like, the mm-hmm. idea that Barrios is fixing things or working with the Twins to try to fix things in the middle of the season. Does that bother you? And the reason that I ask is because Rami just presented the, you know, clearly you, if, if you mess this up, well, that's, that's bad news for October, let and, alone getting to October. And I know that guy's mechanics can suffer during a season, you know, the, the grind of a season or what, whatever the sure. case might be, and you mm-hmm. want to get him back on track. Or teams, hitters might, might start to figure out your approach and, and how you're attacking them. And they're going to adjust to you. You have to adjust to them. I get that. But to change the way a guy pitches or to, right. to change something about his mechanics midseason. I, I kind of think it's more, I hear your point, but I think it's more getting him back to what he was okay. doing that made that him okay so that's See, that was going to be my question. Are yeah. they changing the mechanics just to change them because they're noticing it? Or are they changing it because he's been pitching poorly and they're noticing the the change in his mechanics and they're trying to get it back right. So I think he started here at a, a, you know level 9 or whatever and it started to fade. Obviously we've seen the results haven't mm-hmm. been there the last few starts at least at, at the very least and I think that it's more getting him back to the Jose they know and he knows that he can be and less about hey let's reinvent you on the fly. And I think the counterpoint to it too Rami is yeah, you don't want to break Jose Barrios, but if he's going to just be sort of an average-ish or below starting pitcher, that's not going to get it done in October either. You I think what no they're chance. yeah, I think what they're trying to do is get him back to the guy who's gone to two straight All Star games. Will probably go to more as his career unfolds. He's just twenty five. I think they're trying to get him back to that guy, back to that top of the rotation ace, so that he can carry them to and through the playoffs. Because they badly need him to be back to what he was at the at the start of the year they really need if they're going to have any chance to do anything in the postseason they need him to be the anchor for this rotation i mean you, it, it's there's only so much you, i think you can ask out of jake odorizzi and kyle gibson and michael pineda or whoever else might be in your postseason rotation you need barrios to be the guy if there is going to be one guy in your rotation in the postseason that you're not going to worry about he needs to be that guy. Yeah, if you're, you're going to have a chance in a seven-game series against especially the Astros, but the Yankees or anybody else you might run into in the American League, you need to feel pretty good about the two days that you send Jose Barrios out there. Yep. Yeah, you got you, you got to believe you're going to win those two games and then try and steal away two more from, you know, with the use of Pineda or, or Martin Perez or Odorizzi, whoever it might be on the mound for the other, the other potentially five games. But you want to feel pretty damn good about sending Jose Barrios out to the mound for two of those seven games. I agree with that. Um, You can tell frustration is reaching a bit of a a boiling point. I think for Barrios, it would be fair to say, did you guys hear about uh, over the weekend, ducked out on his post-game media session. Uh, Not as as in someone asked a question that made him mad and he left, just he didn't show up for it. He left the park before talking to the media, which I'm not going to get on my media high horse and say, like, this is... You know, it's our it's our God-given right to get to speak to the guy who pitched today. I'm not going to give that rant or spiel, but I do think that's very out of character for uh, a guy that I've come to know a little bit, um, just in the Twins clubhouse over the past couple of years since he since we saw him in the All Star Futures game in 2014. He's always been one of the more mature and always been one of the more you know friendly guys for his age group that you'll run across. So for him to give up a grand slam against a team that you feel like you should beat and be kind of, let's be honest about it, be kind of the reason you lost to the Tigers on Friday night, I think he was he must have been steaming mad for him to, to leave. Now, he did sort of make it right, make it whole again. He came before Saturday's game and addressed the media at length about some of these mechanical tweaks and about why he was frustrated and I'm sorry I left and all that kind of stuff. But for a guy like him to do that, I think it's it shows you. It's a pretty good signal that, yeah, he's getting pretty mad and fed up with the way that things are going right now. I always uh, I feel bad for guys when they do what Jose Barrios did on Saturday and then 
people in the media want to want to criticize him for it. And oh, we still want blood. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm not going to rant about it because he came back and made it right. And even if he didn't, so what? <laughs> you, no, sir, and I, I, I never like doing this sitting directly across from a guy who goes down to the ballpark no, that's and fair. covers these no, games. No, no, hey, let's do it because I do both. in the post game comments, but let's be real, guys. 99 times out of 100, you get nothing. You get nothing from these right. guys oh, sure. in these post-game press conferences or, or reporter gatherings around the locker room. You get next. You get the cookie-cutter answers. You get what you expect. Yeah, I made a mistake here, and he took advantage of it. Like, that's what you're going to get. The most, the thing that, that actually makes headlines from these post-game press conferences and locker room, and locker room sound is either when a guy is real honest and people don't like what he says most of the time when he's real honest, or when a guy just doesn't talk at all. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Exactly. Yeah. Th- those are the only two things that r- that really make headlines out of post game press conferences or post game conf- uh, comments of most kinds. To me, not not wanting to talk is that's that's showing that's showing a, a human side to yourself. Like, how many of us have ever? been to the point whether we're talking personally professionally whatever the case might be where you have a day or you have a moment and you just don't want to talk about it afterwards yeah yeah that's right i have a few come to mind yeah in my personal every experience. single person has that experience yet for some reason these guys don't have that luxury i was not there on friday to be denied access to brio so i'm not going to vent i'm not going to rant about this um and, and i appreciate you be willing to cut open a vein in front of a, a a quasi reporter sitting across the table from you it it makes for good conversation the one thing that i would say if i was let's say the twins and brios leaves after uh, you know he kind of made a mess I wouldn't put it all on him by any means. I never would, a starting pitcher. He's not the only guy that contributed to an eventual Twins loss. But if he doesn't say something and there is a uh, ravenous pack of hyenas coming to the clubhouse afterwards to say, you know, somebody's got to tell us how much this loss sucks, who's it going to be, and the starting pitcher is not there to do it, now somebody else has to wear that, and that's the part that I would take exception if I was and in the Twins. In this particular case, Castro probably. Jason, right? Jason Castro has yeah. to answer for it, or you know, Jake Cave has to answer for it because he's being talked to for something else. It's, I think that's the one part I would take issue with. Is I get what you're saying, and I'm not on a media soapbox here, but now if a teammate has to answer for that, it's kind of a bad look. We got to hit a quick break. Glenn Perkins, former Twins closer, now uh, part of the Score North team and the Fox Sports North broadcast of first. Uh, t- Place Twins Baseball is going to join us after the break. We're live at the Minnesota State Fair from now until Labor Day, noon to 6. Every day we're just off Chambers Street on the left edge of the grandstand. Check out the Score North merchandise booth open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. Show us your Score North mobile app and you'll receive a $5 t-shirt. Also, we're donating all proceeds of the All Arise t-shirts to Luis Arise's favorite charity, the Ronald McDonald House. So come on down here to the Minnesota State Fair. Stop by the Score North booth. Say hi high and uh, get one of those all arise t-shirts and help out a good cause glenn, i got mine today nice glenn perkins will join the score north first place twins show live from bone basota the land of ten thousand rakes magic number is 29 and we're back at the state fair right after this on 1500 scorenorth.com and the score north mobile my baseball friends mackie here for federated mutual insurance company business owners i'm talking to you and i've been one myself i know what goes into it you love it but you're grinding every day solving problems taking care of employees it helps tremendously to have an insurance insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. I listen to the sweetest accordion I've ever heard. It's Score North, live from the Minnesota State Fair. And Castro's going back. That ball's gone. Hey, has his second home run tonight. One to right and now one to center. His third and fourth home runs of the year. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is the Score North first place Twins show live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, magic number 29, and live from the Bombasota State Fair today. Where to find us just off of Chambers Street on the left edge of the grandstand. Stop on out and say hi. And once again, a... Journeyman QB Gathering 
happening out here at 2 o'clock on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. So uh, I'm just going to say more than one former quarterback will be out here. A former twin now joining us on the phone on the Score North First Place Twins show. And he was part of the Fox Sports North broadcast all weekend long of First Place Twins Baseball. Our very own Glenn Perkins. Glenn, how are you this afternoon, man? I'm good, guys. I was hoping that this was 1220 central and not eastern but here here we are you guys are both, uh, <laughs> talking too much twins baseball and getting off your times i think huh yeah i mean it's 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 a little is, is this too early for you glenn were you hoping we, that you could see like a little later? late a little late ah he's giving okay. us a hard time I, that's I all see. it is rummy yeah. you, expe- <laughs> you don't expect us to be disciplined or on time do you glenn we're not we're not professional athletes over here we don't have the kind of discipline you guys have yeah something like that <laughs> no, I'm going to blame it on the fried food, Glenn. Uh, it slows all our internal clocks down a little bit. Uh, hey, big picture here. This series, uh, you got to be pleased with the the wins, but we talked a lot in the first segment about Jose Barrios' um, Friday's game. Wh- where are you at with Jose and what the Twins maybe can do even to get him back uh, right here for the stretch run? I think there's a few things. Tim, one, and that's not just him. That's everybody on the team. And this time of year, we talked a lot about on, on the pre on the pre and post game shows. That, and I think he's a guy that has shown over the last couple of years has done that. Now, that's not due to a lack of work. I think if there's anything, he might do a little season as far as his work regimen, his bullpens. He he's one of the hardest working guys I've ever played with, and so I think there's some of that. And then just what 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 ends up happening inevitably is when you get tired, you try to you try to do more on the mound to try to you know he's going to look, he's going to throw a pitch and see that it's ninety one, and he's going to want to throw harder. He's rotational in his mechanics as it is. He's gotten a little bit over rotational uh, over the last probably three, four, five starts, where you you end up more east west than you know north south if that's the way you would throw to home plate where you're driving toward home. He started to kind of twist and it's hard to maintain it's hard to generate velocity definitely hard to maintain it when he rears back and throws he can still throw 94 95 i don't think there's there's zero hint for me of any injury issues it's just a a mechanical thing and i think what's contributing to it is just general fatigue from the the wear and tear of a season the amount of innings he's thrown I, i think it starts to catch up with a guy i think going forward i'd be surprised if they don't not skip starts for guys, but try to find extra days for guys where they can. Their roster expanding was in, in five days, you know. So if they can call up a Devin Smelter and have him make a start here, a spot start there, and kind of give every guy one extra day, maybe you do that around and off, and give you know, so Barrios or Odorizzi or Gibson or whoever can only make one start in a week. Maybe they pitch on a Wednesday and then have a Thursday off and smelter spots in somewhere so then Brios could go Wednesday to Wednesday as opposed to Wednesday to Monday. Those things down the stretch will make a difference. And you, you don't need much. You just need just that little extra day, maybe two, a time or two. So if he just makes maybe one or two less, uh, not less starts, maybe one less start, I guess, from here to the end of the season would probably benefit him going into the playoffs. Glenn, because it sounds like you're saying these mechanical issues are, are a result of fatigue, is there any way to, to correct these things on the fly without the extra rest that you're talking about? I, I mean, I think you can. And, you know, it, it would be nice. I think ideally they'd do that. It would also be nice maybe if, you know, the team got out to a big lead in a game where he could go five innings and throw 60 pitches. Something like that would help. I'm sure they're already backing off on his bullpen. He's throwing as much as he did early or middle season, um, but I think that they're going to. I think that they're going to try to find some some ways to to get those guys all an extra day or two. That's the best way to do it. And and Wes Johnson, Jeremy Hefner are, are so smart, and and I think they'll do a good job dealing with that. I guess we'll see as time goes on. If if I was the one making those decisions, that's what I would try to do. Hey, Glenn, it's Judd. Um, question for you about Barrios on Friday. And the fact that he didn't uh, didn't stick around to talk to the press afterwards, I don't have a problem with, with the fact that he was going to say nothing great. But I found it very intriguing and probably very smart of the Twins that on Saturday they told him, "Jose, you you need to talk." If he was, I don't know, let's say the fifth starter, I might be mildly bothered. But 
But I think when you're talking about your best players, and, and I think this is not only important for the public and the press, but the players in that clubhouse as well, when you're talking about a core group of your best players, I think it's important, too, that a message of accountability is set. And when a guy bolts out, I think that that sort of shirks that responsibility. And Jose Barrios, in for, for lack of a better term, Perk, is too good for that in my mind. He is, and I think that he learned his lesson. I'm, I'm sure that some of the veteran, other veteran guys in the clubhouse, you know, I, I, Nelson Cruz, I would imagine, talked to him. Um, you know, Jake Odorizzi probably gave me. I, those guys had to let him know as well as if, if you know, the, the manager, Rocco Baldelli, or if, or if Wes Jeffins, people talked to him and said, hey, you know, we know you're frustrated. We know you expect more out of yourself. Um, that's not the way to handle it. And, and he knows that. He's a good kid. He really is, and, and you guys know that as well from covering him for the over the last couple of years. That, that that's how he showed his frustration. That's not the way you want to handle it. Uh, and and I think he learned his lesson. So I I would be surprised if that happened again this year or in the future. Sure. Yeah, Glenn, I saw him working with that uh, big bouncy ball that Kyle Gibson used. That big yellow squishy ball. It's a little bit bigger than a basketball. So like. Barrios is going through mechanical adjustments here in the middle of a season. Two-part question, did you ever do that, uh, let's say after like 12 or 13 or something like that? And if whether you did or not, just can you give us a sense for how difficult that is when you're still out there facing big league hitters uh, once or twice a week? Yeah, so the, the thing that happened to me, and it was always around this time of the year too, I was always a guy that... that didn't do as well later in the season. Now the microscope wasn't on me because we weren't any good. And so it, it, you know, I was able to fly a little bit more under the radar with it, but I, I wouldn't get rotational. I would get to where my shoulders wouldn't stay level getting toward home plate. So I would get my front shoulder would get real high and I would dip my backside. And what it was is I was trying to get, I was trying to generate more velocity because my velocity would be down due to fatigue and, you know, that's why I talked about him being rotational, and so he's over-rotating now. In the same way, I got, I just got too high on my front side, so I would have to work on picking my leg up, coming back down, and driving toward home plate while keeping my shoulders level. That was something I worked on a lot with Rick Anderson, and it was always in, it was always in the beginning of spring training when I was getting going, and then it was, it was always, you know, mid-late August where I'd have to I'd fight that again. And it's not easy to do because when you go out on the mound, you just want to compete. You want to do what you've, you've always done. And when you make little changes like that, it, it feels when you're out there like a huge change. It feels like it's a lot bigger than, than it actually is. It's something that you may not even notice watching yourself on video. But when you're doing it, it feels like you're throwing completely different. So it's, it's not easy. And you can tell that he's searching for it. And, you know, I think that, that all, it all leads into, you know, why he didn't want to talk after the game was that there's a lot of things going through his head right now, and it, it, it becomes overwhelming. Um, you just got to let your athleticism take over. And, I mean, again, with him and his work ethic and all those things, he's also very athletic. So I'm not too worried about where he's going to be as long as he can – as long as they can find him some time to, to work on it and, and to get, rest his arm just a little bit. Um, I think he's going to be okay. It's definitely not an easy thing to do, but it's something that guys go through throughout your career, especially as you get older and, and you know, things don't work the same way. Whether you're 23 to 24 or 29 to 30, your body's going through different changes, and, and you have to be able to adapt. And, and it's the old adage, baseball is a game of adjustments. It's the same for pitchers. Talking with Glenn Perkins, former Twins closer here on the Score North First Place Twins show, live from the Minnesota State Fair. Perk, I feel like we've now gotten a couple weeks look at, at what this Twins bullpen looks like with Dyson and Romo and everybody on regular rest and sort of a, a regular schedule and rotation for everybody in that bullpen. Where's your confidence level at right now with these Twins relievers as as we get closer and closer to October? I think that... that they're not – it's weird. I, I don't want to say that they're not super deep because I do think they have a few guys that they can rely on. Um, but it's – I guess in the, their lack of depth would just be from consistency more than, you know, I think stuff or – if you know, they have Tyler Duffy and Trevor May are kind of their first guys out of the pen when the game is close. Both of those guys can be really good. They've also been really inconsistent this year. Um, it, it, a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. And so that's – the, the concern it's not it, it, uh, 
think they have Dyson's depth a tick below. He's more of a trickery guy. Taylor Rogers has great stuff. Um, you know, those, those kind of four guys with Duffy, May, and Dyson, and Rogers all have overpowering stuff. And it's just a matter of, you know, especially for the first two, and Dyson still, you know, he looked good again this weekend, I think. So it's just a matter of consistency. If those guys are good, if they're on, I, I think their bullpen can be a strength. And it, the question is, are they going to be on or are they not? That's what I guess we'll find out, you know, getting down toward the end of the season and, and in the playoffs. So, Glenn, where has, has baseball or where's there been a fundamental breakdown in, in the work by um, executives and teams as, as far as bullpens go? Because you, you look at the ERAs, and I get, you know, five years back, Kansas City sort of set a template and the Yankees followed that. But when you look at the lack of success by bullpens uh, in 2019, Perk, what do you think the correction will be by a few astute teams in 2020? Well, it's kind of what the Twins are doing, and it's not its not so much with some of those established guys. You try to get two or three guys that you can rely on, and it's going to be shuffling guys in and out using more of the roster. Um, you know, and the Twins have done that a lot this year. It's more at the at the bottom end of their bullpen than the top end, obviously. But um, it, you're, you're really – the best analogy is throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And that's – I mean, Tyler Duffy, a lot of people forget, came up this year a couple times, once for sure as a 26th man. And kind of, that was his chance. He came in, pitched two innings as a 26-man, struck out all six guys he faced, or struck out all six guys in his two innings. And had to go back down, but when he came back up, he never went back down again. So he was one of those guys, hey, let's give this guy a chance. He ended up sticking, having a good year. He's got an ERA under three, striking out a, a ton of guys. So really that's what it is. And bullpens by nature are volatile. Bullpens as a whole and, and relief pitchers, you know, in general are volatile from year to year from outing to outing and when guys are consistent that's when that's when they're really noticed and that's what you know taylor rogers clearly has been the most consistent guy for the twins and he's really gotten noticed this year and had a great year but it's it's due to the fact that they can trust him every time he goes out and that he's consistent in in his results for the most part Glenn, last time we talked to you about your TV experience, we learned that you suffer from something that Judd and I also suffer from, which is the inability to smile on command. Has it gotten any better with uh, your work on Fox Sports North, sir? No, it, it was it was still bad this weekend. I, I try to. I, <laughs> I, I think my my what I've started to do is almost like a like a laugh, uh, as opposed yes. to uh, like smiling. So I'll do kind of like a lean back a little bit and like. <laughs> Because I yeah I, I I can't just stare at the camera and smile. So you're Ed McMahon, Perk. Uh, you you're becoming Ed McMahon. Ah <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right, Anthony. <laughs> gotta, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out something so I don't just sit there and look like a buffoon. <laughs> I, I'm sure I do. I refuse to watch myself uh, and see what I, how I've done, um, and, and so I don't really know. But I guess nobody's made fun of me. I get made fun of for a lot of other stuff that I do on, on there, but I haven't gotten made fun of for not smiling or fake smiling. So I'll Burke take that long, as, as a success. Burke, as long as you're not doing, like, the Kawhi Leonard laugh, the, the awkward Kawhi Leonard laugh, you're probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll watch and see what that is. I, I don't know what that is, but I'll, I'll do my research, and then oh, I have the Indian series when they come back on the next nice. homestand, and I'll that I don't do the Kawhi Leonard laugh. Make make a note, Glenn, and just get ready to cringe when you watch that <laughs> that track. You'll you'll be fine. That's Glenn Perkins, former okay. Twins closer. Catch him on Fox Sports North for that Indian series, and every Thursday, including this Thursday, live at the fair on uh, the Score North first place Twins show. Glenn Perkins on baseball every Thursday at noon here on Score North. Glenn, always a pleasure, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, thanks, guys. And hey, I, we're doing it. We're doing. I don't know. I wasn't listening to you right there, but we're doing it live on Thursday. So we are live. Oh, yeah. We'll so be all there. the people that are here now I'll can come back Thursday and see Glenn Perkins in person. Yes, noon to noon to one at the at the Score North booth. Looking forward to it. Thanks Glenn. a lot, Glenn. We'll, see, we'll see, you see you then, buddy. All right, guys. There's Glenn Perkins joining us on the Score North First Place Twins Show. I didn't formally introduce that Judd Zulgad had joined the show when we opened that segment. I am remiss in doing that. We'll get Judd's thoughts on the weekend series win over the Detroit Tigers and his thoughts on Jose Barrios' struggles right after this. It's the Score North First Place Twins Show live from the Bombasota State Fair, the land of 10,000 rakes. Magic number is 29, and we're back after this on 1500scorenorth.com and that Score North mobile app. It's Score North, live from the Minnesota State Fair.
time it's 12:46. Manny Hill here with you at the Bomba Soda State Fair, and uh, getting a little—it's getting a little showery right now. Let's get some—that's some rain coming down just a little bit. But guess what? If you're out here at the Great Minnesota Get Together, uh, you can stop by the Score North merchandise booth. It's right on the side of our booth. Uh, we're located off of Chambers Street to the left edge of the grandstand, by the way. And if you come by the Score North merchandise booth booth there's a couple things you can get you can show us your score north mobile app on your phone your smartphone or your iphone whatever it may be and uh, you'll receive a five dollar t-shirt also we are donating all proceeds from the all arise t-shirts to Luis arises favorite charity the ronald mcdonald house and because of the rain's coming down a little bit and we might get a little bit more rain later on this afternoon if you're if you're out here at the fair we also have some ponchos for sale, so you can uh, come by and get one of those, too, to try and keep yourself dry throughout the afternoon. It's uh, another segment of the Score North First Place Twin Show live out here at the Minnesota State Fair. As uh, That's your Score North download, Rami McAuliffe. From Bombasota, the land of 10,000 race. Sorry, 10, I had to turn your race. mic up there right for a second there, Rami. My apologies. Live from Bombasota, the land there of 10,000 race, where the magic number is 29. The lead on the Indians is 3.5, and, and Miguel Sano with three more home runs over the weekend. Rami Makloff, Judd Zolgad, Derek Wetmore, and that is Manny Hill, who you just heard on the download live from the Minnesota State Fair. Stop on out and say hi. We are off Chambers Street on the left edge of the grandstand and check out our merchandise booth open 9 a.m to 9 p.m show us your score north mobile app and get a five dollar t-shirt and all proceeds from the all arise t-shirts going to luis arise's favorite charity the ronald mcdonald house and uh, we just talked with glenn perkins in the first segment of the show judd we're sort of laying out the big picture landscape of the minnesota twins and yes there are problems with jose barrios and no, this isn't a perfect baseball team. But what I said to Derek is they've won seven out of their last ten. The lead is now three and a half. The magic number is 29. Mm-hmm. Things are actually pretty good despite losing two of three to the White Sox in the first in the series against the Tigers. Yeah, and plus Cleveland lost to Jose Ramirez to a broken hammock bone, which big, is a huge setback for them. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is still playing out the form where we all predicted, and it might not be as comfortable as we thought in June, that the Twins are going to w- win this division. Uh, I did write for Saturday, and the Martin Perez on Sunday start was certainly nice to see, but this team, if they're going to have any real hope of contending, needs to get their starting pitching on track. Perez then came out on Sunday and looked good. Kyle Gibson still scares me to no end, and I don't think that's going to end. The Brios thing, definitely a, a concern. I'm not. Here's the thing with these games. When you're playing um, the White Sox to a certain degree, but I sort of actually like them. I don't hate the White Sox. I think that they're a year away from being... A much improved team, which, by the way, will be great. I love the fact that we are going to have potentially three good teams in the Central next year. But when you're playing Detroit, I put all the stock in what do I see from the Twins. And so what I need to see here to think that this team has a chance is is a resurgence and evolution of the starters. And, and Perez on Sunday, you needed that desperately, you guys. You definitely did. Barrios... If he doesn't turn things around, it's going to be a quick exit from the playoffs, which I think we all agree the Twins are going to make. But I don't don't put a lot of stock in how did you look against the Tigers because the Tigers are are a lost cause. I put all the stock in what did I see from you. To me, it's all internal here. And and if Perez can be decent, I'm not even saying he's got to be great. If Gibson can be decent, if Barrios can be Barrios, okay, then you're turning things back around. So it's not so much, it's not because we, we could debate the wins, the losses, but to me it is how do you look against these teams, who's doing well, who looks engaged, who looks good. It's that simple really to me. And what did you take away from the weekend with those being the things? I told you the Perez, I thought the Perez, I thought the Perez start was good. It's Detroit, I get that, but it's got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, and so he's had, that's what, fine. Three, three pretty good starts in a row now for Perez. Yes, he has. Right? Yeah. Three. Okay. Three. Uh, the, second, the, second of the, th- the second of the three was not fantastic in Texas, but it was not a disaster. Oh, that's, that's right. But yeah. it was not a disaster. Yeah. That's all. And um, I'm with Judd. That's all I'm looking for from He's looking like a bullpen weapon Perez for at this point. I agree with that. Pineda. I'm just looking for decent from those um, guys at this point. Gibson on Saturday I didn't really like, but, but here's what I didn't like on Saturday. Way more than Kyle. And I don't know... I gotta go back and find out when this started, 
when did the at times gong show fielding start? Because I don't remember this team for the first two months. Like, I thought they're pretty solid. I'm not saying that they were all Brooks Robinson. Yeah. But, I th- you know, C.J. Crone, I thought, defensively, uh, unless I was on hallucinogenics, got off to no, a no, no, no. He was really good, good defense. You might really have good. been. Yeah. Okay. You might have been. But on I was some still those, right. But you were accurate in your uh, assessment. The yes. thing on Saturday that I did not like, though, that that play in the field was not yeah. sufficient. Uh, that concerned me actually more than the Gibson start. Sure. And, and Friday, Friday's just a. I mean, you got to get more from Barrios. Yeah, but if you don't, there, it's a lost cause. Uh, yeah. The fielding, like you're, like you're not going to say, "Hey, Martin Perez, you're pitching pretty well now. Can you can you start and place how's, a Jose?" How's game one for you. How's that sound? Uh, the fielding, the as you termed it, Gong Show, started in early July, if I remember correctly. Okay. That was, was really bad. On it Saturday. was right around the Fourth of July, for sure, leading into the All Star break. And you know what I did at the time? I dismissed it. I said, "This team's been pretty good. So, They've got mostly." By the way, to be fair, so did I. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And I think we all did at the time. Going into the All-Star break, I was thinking, you know what? Go go get your mind off of baseball. Recharge. Forget about it. I don't want you to come back if I'm Rocco Baldelli. I don't want you guys to come back thinking we're a bad fielding team. I want you to think that was a blip on the radar, and recently it's been more of a trend. So uh, can they correct that midstream? Well, they're probably going to have to. You, you want to field better than this. You can't expect to score 12 runs every night in well, October, so clean it up. And that's the thing is... Or as Aaron Boone might say, tighten, tighten, it, tighten yeah. it up. That's the thing to that point, and that's a great point. I love that point. You can play Detroit and basically say, oh, bleep it, we'll score 14 tonight. <laughs> it's all no, you good. can. It's all yeah. good. You can. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But if we get to October... You're done. You can't play Unless Garrett it's Cole. the Yankees, in which case it's going to be 18-17. But, <laughs> but if you're playing a team in October... You know, if you're playing the Astros, or you can't just say, well, our starting pitching's not very good and our feelings not very good, but we'll hit four home. You know, you can't do that. So, right. so that's, where, that's where I watch this team now and say, okay, what's progress and what's not? And I'm not judging that in did you kick the crap out, out of the Tigers. Like, I know they can hit. I'm judging that on individual things that we all know need to improve, Rami. And uh, something that I guess it's too late to improve now, but we, we talked about the players' weekend uniforms on Friday, and uh, the overwhelming sentiment was that they weren't very well-liked. Uh, after seeing them in action, uh, they are still not very well-liked by at least this individual. Can I start this off with one question? Sure. Okay, here's my question. Uh-huh. <laughs> you played your Cubs. My Cubs. Your Cubs went to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Yes. And played the Pirates in a game that I think is a great idea, right? The Little League Classic, I believe. But it's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. And they wore uniforms that, okay, I get there might have been some fans that didn't like them. But personally, to my eye, that's a cool idea. You know, Little League attempted uniforms. Yeah. I, I like the idea. Good effort. Really nice, really nice effort. Baseball. Rob Manfred, good job for once in a while. And then you come back with this black and white where I can't read your nicknames. I can't read your numbers. And furthermore, they I love that they put nicknames on the back of the jerseys, and you can't see any of them. And and then the last thing was, was, and I guess the White Sox did this, but the home team had the choice to wear black or white. So, like, it could have been Friday Tigers, black twins, white, Saturday, uh, vice versa. Um, But they they left it up to the team. Instead of saying, at least if we're going to do this to you guys, we're going to give fans the different looks of the teams. Um... Final point, and this is the one that I, that I almost drove off the road. Uh, John Chiambi talking on the uh, Sunday Night Baseball telecast last night with our buddy Chris Singleton. Dodgers-Yankees. Evidently, the Dodgers, the, the home team, went to baseball and said, it's Dodgers-Yankees. Just iconic uniforms, right? Can we please, for one game, wear our iconic duds, our Dodger, our Dodger blue, and then the Yankees wear the pinstripe or their, their grays for the road, and baseball's like, no, you absolutely can't. Hmm. All put. To, I'm actually kind of glad they did that. All I don't put, want the Dodgers and Yankees getting special treatment. But, Screw the Dodgers and the Yankees. <laughs> the rest of us have to suffer through these horrendous jerseys, and New York and L.A. does too. But, to hell with them. But my point is, if you're going to have these teams play, and they ask to do it for one game, and it's supposed to be, by the way, Players Weekend, in which the players right. get to celebrate. I I thought the week. I thought those things were a complete joke. And it really disappointed me coming off the Cubs-Pirates game when I thought you put... And by the way, last year also, personally, I didn't find him super attractive, but I totally got it. I, to, I liked it. Good effort. And you come back with this crap? Ugh.
No, thank you. Am I the only one that doesn't get worked up about this? It's I mean, not I'm like not I love yes. them. About it. Yes, you are. I am? Okay, yes. all right. I'll show <laughs> myself out. How can you not be worked up about the fact you can't see anything? Because who cares? I do. I'm a baseball fan. But not every baseball to, fan cares. And I'm trying to sell the game to people that now can't see numbers or names? Yeah, I just, I personally. How can you not get worked up? I don't get dialed up because, like, I, I was telling you guys off, off the mic before this, like, okay, I'm not a Twins fan. I follow the Twins pretty closely. You know what I want in the collection? I want a white jersey with silver trim that says Boomstick on the back. I think it looks sweet. And if it plays up on some other audience, white, if it plays up I'm, on social media, I'm, well, I'm not going to wear it. But it's like, it's, you, okay, then, what, then, it's cool. then why do you want it? It's, co- it's cool. Then it looks why? cool. It's different. It's unique. Am I way off base here? Yes. I know Manny's kind of just shaking his head at I think I, you are. That's fine. I, I, the black ones I actually did not mind. The white ones drove me crazy, though, because I can't see anything. And th- I'm speaking on behalf of... All play-by-play men across America. <laughs> okay, hey, As respectfully, for, don't for, care about the play-by-play guy. <laughs> I do. Dennis. I know, I feel I you. Do. <laughs> Just like I As cared a, about the reporter in the last <laughs> As a former play-by-play man myself. I hear you, I hear you. That drives me crazy. And, and as a former play-by-play man myself who has called games where... Hockey sweaters are the the numbers are the exact same color as the sweaters themselves. Good luck. It drives me insane. Yeah, you lose sleep it over stuff like that. I can't see anything. I don't know who's who. But, and then when guys get taken out of the game, I don't know who's playing in a, right field as anymore. As a person who I will admit, I don't care about my personal fashion. I know nothing about it. How can your eye find that attractive? It looks like disco against um, some type of stormtrooper. The like, like, okay. like, like how, how can your eyes look at that and be like, because I'm, I'm telling you. The monochromatic, for the record, I don't think is cool. Last year's, I personally didn't find like super attractive, but I completely got what they were doing and said, I give you credit for that. Like, I'm not just, this is not a get off my lawn take. <laughs> I, I like traditions. Thank you for clarifying. I like traditions. So, you know, if the, if, um, the twins wear the, their home whites, the more, the better personally sure. but i get you're trying to sell things i try i i don't know how any 22 year old could actually be like wow well, this is gonna make me watch if baseball. you reach if you reach a 16 year old on instagram that you otherwise wouldn't have seen because they've seen all the jerseys already then you just won but i think a 16 year old one weekend a year a 16 year old looks at those all whites and says this is putrid yeah i don't know what 16 year olds are into as far as fashion goes I don't. And I don't know if a monochromatic white is is. I, I don't like the monochromatic look. Or a monochromatic. Just the jersey black. itself, like the the black on black trim, cool. The white. Well, then just silver. Then just sell, white. Then just sell that. From a play by play standpoint, I get what Manny's saying. From a fashion standpoint, I can't do the whites. I like the black ones, especially the hats. The black like, ones were fine. I like the I black actually, on black hats a lot. Should I just bring you guys over to my side a little bit? No, I was cool uh, with the black 